You're listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White, and today I'm talking about why and how to do a coffee detox. If you're someone who's struggling with energy roller coasters, anxiety, or poor sleep, then a coffee detox might be part of the solution. And this is relevant to you if you're a business owner or if you have clients, if you're a coach. Coffee is part of our national currency now. We all drink coffee but you may not know what it's actually doing to you. I think it's really helpful to give your nervous system a break from time to time so that you can feel calmer and you can experience life without coffee. Going cold turkey on caffeine can be a bit hard. So in this episode, I'm going to outline how I'm going to do a coffee detox so that if you want to do something like this for yourself, you can do this a bit easier. So I'm going to talk about recommended caffeine intakes. How do you respond to caffeine? Do you need a coffee break? And my coffee detox plan. So a bit of the backstory for this episode is that I'm in the process of investigating nervous system health for myself. It's all part of the bigger picture of sleep, anxiety, mental well-being and all of those sorts of things. Because I know that when I drink a coffee, I get sweaty in the armpits. I get a little bit fired up. I start talking fast. And this isn't just a fad, this idea of a coffee detox. I've just had some of these realizations that maybe this isn't that good for me. And I want to do an experiment to see if not drinking coffee for a few weeks can help me to unwind anxiety and feel calmer and sleep better. I'm looking at my sleep app every night on my Philia Health device and I'm realising that it's I'm getting three or four hours, sometimes five hours sleep on on most nights of the week and I'm feeling drained and I'm thinking, well, how much is coffee playing a role in that? So part of the picture is working out, am I actually just drinking too much coffee or having too much caffeine in total for my body weight because I weigh 52 kilos? So would be pretty easy to overdose on caffeine and at the bigger picture level would removing coffee altogether have a bigger impact on my system so this is the challenge I'm setting for myself and that's why today I'll be talking about the recommended caffeine intakes which people are susceptible to the negative impacts of coffee and then how the detox is going to work so let's start with these recommended caffeine intakes back when I was growing up There were no such thing as coffee shops. Well, there were a couple, but there was definitely no cafes around. There were a couple of coffee shops where you could go in and get a cup of filtered or instant coffee and a sandwich for lunch. And it was generally families and working people and old people who went to those places. But they were few and far between. Now there are cafes on every corner. And we're drinking a lot more coffee. So how much is good for you how much is reasonable when is too much too much so I jumped onto the food standards australia new zealand website and they say that there's no acceptable daily intake of caffeine as in there's no limit set but they do mention evidence of increased anxiety when caffeine is consumed at above three milligrams per kilogram of body weight per day. So 
there were some studies that back this up and I've always had a sense that of course caffeine being a stimulant is going to affect your nervous system is going to potentially ramp up anxiety so it makes sense right that coffee could make anxiety worse or at least keep you in an anxious state so when you look at what does three milligrams per kilogram of body weight look like per day well for kids, 9 to 13, that's around 120 milligrams of caffeine per day, which is about two cans of a cola drink. For an adult, that's about 240 milligrams per day or three cups of instant coffee. Now, one thing to note is that these are based on standard body weights. So it's nice to have a guideline like you do with any food or drink. But for me, I've mentioned that I weigh 52 kilos. And so at three milligrams per kilogram of caffeine as a maximum, above which I might experience anxiety, I can have 52 kilos of my body weight multiplied by three equals 156 milligrams of caffeine per day. So I'm much lower than the recommended amount for adults, which was 240 milligrams per day. So one thing to think about is how much do you weigh and is the recommended level appropriate for you? Now, I know that if I have one coffee per day, I tend not to feel too bad, but if I have more than one coffee or, or other sources of caffeine, it can tip me over into an anxious state or a state of poor sleep. Part of the challenge is that caffeine doesn't just come from coffee, though. It comes from other sources and in different amounts. So it can actually be hard to realise how much you're actually consuming. You might have one coffee a day, but you might be having all of these other sources. To make it a little bit easier for consumers, food standards codes restrict the amount of caffeine that can be added to soft drinks and energy drinks and, and caffeinated drink drinks like you can buy iced coffee and things like that. And all of them need to be labelled in terms of the caffeine content. And that includes guarana, which is a stimulant in addition to tea and coffee. So the, the limits are that soft drinks can't exceed 145 milligrams per kilogram of caffeine in the drink. And energy drinks can't contain more than 320 milligrams per litre. So if you're thinking of that, that's per litre in a can, you divide that by four or three, which is about 300 and something mils. So that would be about 105 milligrams of caffeine for a can of soft drink, plus or minus. That's a rough amount. And so that's that needs to be converted. But luckily, the labels on those drinks will tell you how much caffeine per serve or per can. So you can work out, is that going to tip you over the edge or is that within your safe limit? So thinking about other foods that contain caffeine, you might be surprised or not to know that chocolate contains caffeine. Cola drinks, of course, we know do. Sports supplements, energy drinks, Cola nuts, that's K-O-L-A nuts, cocoa beans, coffee beans, tea leaves. You might be surprised to know that that's not just black tea, but also green tea and white tea contain some caffeine. And actually many weight loss substances contain guarana or caffeine to speed up the metabolism, as they say. I recently tried a weight loss supplement, not to lose weight, but to see how I felt. And I noticed that I was really peaky and then I looked at the label and saw that it had caffeine in it. So just 
really interesting as to where you might find caffeine. So if you are going to do a detox, you need to be looking at all of the potential foods that contain caffeine. So I'm going to do a bit of a laundry list of some common foods. And remember we said that for an adult, we're looking at about a maximum of 240 milligrams of caffeine a day, after which you might start feeling anxious, or less if you're a lower body weight. So there's 145 milligrams of caffeine in a 50 ml cup of espresso. If you put that espresso shot into a latte or a short black or whatever, then it's the same thing. There's 80 milligrams of caffeine in an energy drink, 80 milligrams in a cup of instant coffee, 58 milligrams in a long black, that's a 100 ml cup, 50 milligrams in a cup of black tea, 36 milligrams in a can of caffeinated cola drink, 13 milligrams in a cup of green tea, 12 milligrams in a 20 gram square of dark chocolate with high cocoa solids, 10 milligrams of caffeine in a 50 gram bar of milk chocolate, and six milligrams in a cup of hot chocolate. So they're just some common figures and I'm going to include a link. So if you're interested in caffeine sources and amounts, you can go into the food standards database and look up the quantities. But if, if I'm considering me as an example, if I'm recommended for my body weight to have 156 milligrams a day, then I can get that amount from one espresso and 20 grams of dark chocolate, three cups of black tea, or a cup of instant coffee, a cup of black tea, and a chocolate bar. So you get the idea. It's about quantity and knowing what are the things that you're consuming that make up that recommended amount of caffeine. And that recommended amount is only that you might experience anxiety above that amount, which is three milligrams of caffeine per kilo of body weight. So you multiply three by your body weight, that's your caffeine upper limit. So knowing that part of things is one thing. The other thing to consider is how you respond to caffeine personally, because everybody's different. Some people get the jitters after one week coffee, and some people can drink eight coffees a day and still have a solid night's sleep. My husband is quite happy to have a coffee before bed and sleep soundly all night. So how does that work? Well, firstly, your weight sets the scene for the recommended amount, and above that you might experience the jitters. But on top of that, you might be someone that either processes and gets rid of or clears caffeine quickly, or you might be someone who does it more slowly compared to the average. The time it takes to metabolize and excrete caffeine from your body ranges between three hours to 12 hours. I think it, it's about 45 minutes for caffeine to get completely through your system after you've consumed it, but three to 12 hours to metabolize and excrete it. So think about that. If you have coffee at 10 o'clock in the morning and you're slow at metabolizing it, you might not get rid of it until 8, 9 o'clock at night. Also, just to complicate things and what you can eat can affect caffeine metabolism and clearance. So, for example, if you're eating foods that contain large quantities of vitamin C and you're eating brassica vegetables like broccoli and kale, that can speed up your caffeine clearance. But if you're drinking alcohol or you eat grapefruit, that can decrease caffeine clearance. So they're just some examples, but different foods affect your caffeine metabolism differently. Some foods will cause you to clear it out faster. Some foods will cause you to 
slow down the clearance of caffeine from your body. Depending on your genes, you might be a fast clearer or a slow clearer. And also some genotypes are less sensitive to the effects of caffeine. Now, I've actually had this test done myself several years ago. I had a genetic test done that indicated I was a fast caffeine metabolizer, which is great. It means I probably clear it out in a few hours. But I also know that I'm sensitive to caffeine because if I have a cup of coffee and we have a wonderful coffee machine at home, makes great coffee, I get a noticeable lift and then I start talking, thinking and doing things really fast and sometimes too fast. Not good when I'm about to go into a coaching session. So on the one hand, I clear it quickly, but on the other hand, I'm also sensitive to it. And more recently, my health type test from the PH360 Shea system shows that I am a sensor health type. And they recommend that I should avoid coffee or have it at most once a month because it messes with my metabolism in a, in a simple way to explain it. So there are lots of things that affect how you personally interact and respond to caffeine. And these might be part of the consideration as to whether you take a break from it or you drink it normally and regularly or you don't drink it at all. And so that lends the question, when, is, when have you had too much? When do you need to take a break? And do you need a coffee break? <laughs> Pardon the pun. You see, coffee or caffeine more generally can help you feel pepped up, but it's addictive and the withdrawal from it can have side effects, including depression, low energy, shakiness, anxiety itself, actually, headache, irritability, fatigue, trouble con concentrating, and also constipation. I know people that can stop drinking coffee and have no side effects, lucky them. But recently I was drinking just one espresso a day and went to none and I got a terrible migraine that lasted for a day and a half, including brain fog, trouble concentrating and irritability. So going cold turkey was horrible and I lasted a day and a half and went back to coffee. I think for myself, I've gone through burnout several years ago. I've regularly through my life experienced anxiety and insomnia. More recently, I've been through menopause and going through. And so I think I'm sensitive to caffeine, but also my adrenal glands have probably been working over time and my nervous system has been heavily taxed over the past 10 to 15 years. Uh, so... I've made the decision that I don't want coffee to control me. I don't want to have to, if I had to miss out a day, that I'd be suffering terribly because I didn't have it. And I thought I really want to experiment with a detox to see how I feel when I don't drink coffee or consume caffeine, and especially now through menopause. It might be that I'm more sensitive. So I invite you to reflect on this for yourself. You might be happy with the way you're handling coffee and the amount you drink, that's fantastic. But I invite you to try going a day without it and see what happens. And maybe you want to think about taking a bit of a break and giving your body a rest from it if you have those withdrawal symptoms. So for me, knowing that I have withdrawal symptoms, I've developed a protocol for giving up coffee temporarily, and I'm going to see how it affects me. I've got the Philia Health device, and I'm measuring different biometrics. And I'm going to see if drinking less coffee 
And if you listen to my last episode, vagus nerve stimulation are going to help me to change some of my sleep biometrics and my stress biometrics. And I'm going to update you in a few weeks once I've gone through these things to let you know what's changed. But for now, let's talk about my Coffee Detox plan and you can develop your own version if you want to do this. There are lots of ways to do a coffee detox. I'm not going cold turkey, though. I'm going to start slow and taper gradually down to nothing so that I can minimise any withdrawal symptoms that I've mentioned. Also, as part of that, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to reduce caffeine from other food sources at the same time. Recently, when I didn't have coffee for a day because I thought I'll just quit coffee, I found myself actually reaching for more chocolate. So I'm thinking my body was probably looking for sugar and caffeine as a source of energy and to try and avoid those symptoms. So I'm really paying attention to all of the sources of caffeine in my diet and making sure that I'm tapering all of them together. So step one for me, I've already done actually, I was having two to three coffees a day, but I'm down to one a day. And I'm going to do that for at least a week or have done that for at least a week. Also at the same time, I'm making sure to be drinking two litres of plain water each day so that my digestion and elimination isn't affected by taking away coffee. I also know that if I get headaches, part of that is dehydration. So I'm really clear on one coffee a day and two litres of water a day, and I'm doing this right now as we speak. So step one is underway. Step two is to start tapering. So I've done this before. What I did was I bought a packet of decaf coffee, and when I was making my morning coffee in the machine, I was mixing regular coffee and decaf and gradually doing more decaf and less coffee, and that worked. But this time I'm going to do something different because I'm thinking about not having coffee regularly. I'm thinking of just weaning myself off it and not going back to it. And for me, I think having decaf kind of makes me still want coffee, if you know what I mean. And I'd rather just say, well, what if I didn't want coffee anymore and I had something else? So what I'm going to do this time is swap to black tea and green tea and I'm going to taper my caffeine intake that way. So I'm going to change my taste buds in a way (laughs) rather than thinking that coffee is still going to be there. I'm going to do step two as having two black teas a day. So this will reduce my caffeine intake by two thirds. So 100 milligrams a day instead of 145. And I'll do that for up to a week depending on how I go. I'll probably start this tomorrow. And then after a few days, I'll go down to one black tea a day, so down to 50 milligrams. And then I'll go down to rooibos tea, which I drink already. And that means that I'll be in the habit of drinking uncaffeinated tea and enjoying that rather than wishing I could have a coffee or going back to decaf and wishing I could have the real thing. So that's my detox plan. That's four steps. I've mentioned step one already, one espresso a day and two litres of water. Step two is to go down to two black teas a day. Step three is to go down to one black tea a day. And step four, down to rooibos, which is a decaffeinated tea only. And then when I'm there at step four, I'm going to stay caffeine free for three to four weeks. So that means no chocolate or maybe not very much chocolate. And I really want to see what changes for me. 
I know that after my body has adapted to not having caffeine, it'll take about three months of being caffeine free before I see the full physiological effects of reducing caffeine. And that's because it takes about three months for cellular renewal in the body. And I've been through different protocols before and have seen results only after 10 or 11 weeks. So three to four weeks is a good start. I'll look for some initial results but I'll expect to see some bigger changes in my sleep, anxiety, stress, mood, etc. probably about 12 weeks later. And that's part of the reason why I'm not going to do the decaf uh, coffee. I don't want to have this lingering desire and temptation in the back of my mind, if only it had caffeine in it, you know, because I associate coffee with that energy lift. One other interesting piece of research I want to mention too is that according to neuroscientists, the best time of day to have your coffee is 90 minutes after waking and or around 10 a.m. That means that your body is not pumped up with cortisol as soon as you wake up. I've mentioned this on a previous episode, but to have that coffee 90 minutes after waking and around 10 a.m., that gives you plenty of time to clear the coffee through the day and it gives your body time to wake up naturally and produce its own energy first thing in the morning. So that's another consideration too is the timing. So let's wrap up today's chat. We talked about firstly recommended caffeine intakes and the coffee culture and how everybody's different in terms of how they respond to, to caffeine. But in terms of anxiety and insomnia and other symptoms, it's something to consider. When, if you're consuming more than three milligrams of caffeine per kilo of your body weight, you may be at increased risk of anxiety due to, or that may trigger anxiety. So there's lots of reasons why people might want to reduce caffeine. If that's you, if you're curious about this and you want to see what the effect is, I would recommend tapering gradually rather than going cold turkey and taking a few weeks or several weeks away from coffee and caffeine generally just to see how your body responds, at least to give your nervous system a bit of a break. I've shared my protocol with you and you're obviously going to develop your own protocol. Um, and I hope this helps you to Think about whether you want to experiment with this, whether you're interested in how coffee and caffeine affect you, and also whether it's something that you want to continue doing long-term. You know, if you want to keep drinking coffee, great. If you don't, though, if you experience a change and you realise that it's a positive impact on your productivity, on your life, on your sleep, on your mental health, maybe um, it's time to make a change. I hope this episode has been helpful for you and I will report back in a few weeks. Thanks for being here and I'll see you next time. Bye for now.